Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Claret and Blue. No, not tonight. No, we're going we're gonna to stick with the Chelsea theme, but boy, oh boy, is it going to be rough your host brandon is always joined by nick and dan gentlemen i don't know about you all but i've even broken out a little bit of the uh scotchy scotch for this one help take the edge off nick that's that's where i'm at yeah yeah i mean certainly a incredibly disappointing match for chelsea um huge missed opportunity which i think is probably uh likely to come back and haunt us at some point because that's just the way the world works but um yeah i don't think any of us are super thrilled to be doing this match review well wouldn't it be great to rewind back to earlier this morning or before the match kicked off when the most controversial thing to be discussed was the logo of three on the kit (laughs) and that was the the hot topic versus having to discuss a a double being done on us by West Ham this season, which is pretty, yeah, pretty disgusting. You know, that number three might come back and be a running theme. I don't know if it's going to be gone after today. Obviously, is we didn't lose three nothing, but we gave up three. It was the first time that West Ham had done the double over us since two thousand and two three two thousand three. Yeah, they, and they were relegated, is my understanding. So it's a curse for them to do the double over Chelsea, idiots. Uh, all right. Well, look, w- you know, if you, you want to you played, you played yourself, West Ham. Well done. <laughs> Idiots. Um, shit. All right. How are we feeling in one word real quick before we get into the Patreon, Apple podcast and everything else? Um, one word. Describe how you're feeling. Dan feeling. Dan is feeling blank. I am smoldering. I definitely was hot during the match. <laughs> I have cooled only a touch. So still not still not touchable. Maybe take off that jacket might might help a little bit. Release the heat. Nick is feeling blank. Fuming. Ooh. Fuming. I I hated I hated every part of this match today. Brandon is feeling disappointed. I'm not mad. I'm just <laughs> oh, disappointed no. in oh, Brandon, all of you Brandon's Chelsea mom. players. Hey, dads can be disappointed. How dare you? Gender rules. Um, look, that's it's going to be a lot of that you're, all day. You were my mom, I should say. <laughs> Fair. 
that is my role here. Uh, on Patreon, a massive thank you to Aaron uh, for jumping on. Even got into Discord right before the match um, to partake. Uh, definitely baptism by fire on that one, Aaron. Uh, Dan, you know, when we get to podcast reviews, normally we have a few and it's great, right? Now we've started a war. When I say we, Nick, has started a war with the Chelsea Miked Up podcast, our good friend Mike Ryan, who does the official Chelsea podcast. Uh, and he accidentally kind of shouted us out on his podcast talking about it. Uh, mm-hmm. How many do we have this week, Dan? Well, it's 15. It's oh, 15 okay. this week that we're going to talk about. And, and the war is still on. You know, this is a minor skirmish that we have won in this week. But the, the war is long and will continue for quite some time. So if you're listening on a device that is using Apple Podcasts and you've not left a review yet, you should leave a five-star review as you're listening to this. And maybe say something like, ha-ha, Mike Ryan. Yeah. That would be helpful. <laughs> So I, I here's what I will say before before Dan does the honor of going through these folks. This time on our last episode when I was checking on the rankings, we were up 200 uh, five-star reviews on Mike Ryan's show. We are up uh, by only 194 now. He is gaining ground, which means that we need everybody to step up because at this rate, he'll pass us sometime in like two or three years. And I don't want that to happen. Text your moms. Text your aunts. They got time. <laughs> just just tell them what to do. Just make it easy on them. All right, Dan. Over to you, sir. 15 names. Big breath. Here we go. Okay. Well, I'm not going to read the first one because it's pretty vulgar. <laughs> it's it's a big something got it. and some combination of numbers that mean something sexual. So we're just going to bypass Anyways, that one. Anyways, if you're not going to say it, don't beat around the bush. Let's go. Bvans97. Uh, G. Treacy. Uh, Josh Hare, Jay Williams, 2K12, Matt Lundy, Meg Z123, Narkin, Stebor, No Curses, uh, Panthronate, <laughs> Pedro Niski, Rapid888, <laughs> Yoto23, Inazo88, Matt's Dog, with a capital S in between, and then Shane Hulkrum, 2005. Boom. Done. Reviews in. Give us some more. Give us some more. We're not tired yet. There you go. Last one to you, Nick, uh, for a little, oh, wouldn't you please? Yeah. So uh, we have seen some pretty tremendous growth on YouTube. So just thank you to everyone who has subscribed over the last few weeks. Uh, we broke 5K, are on our way to six, and we need everybody who does these Apple podcast reviews and who listens to our show to also go throw some YouTube love because we're trying to do more cool stuff over there. Uh, also Instagram and, and Twitter at London blue pod. We've been like hanging out at like 26, 27 K on Twitter for like three years. We need to grow. We need to boost that thing up. Um, hell 100 K let's do it. Um, on that front. And a final note, I put out a video this morning, but we've had a ton, a ton, a ton of content come out over the last handful of weeks, including the Chelsea decades draft, which is an, a really fun evergreen piece you can kind of listen to in chunks because it's like two hours and change. So it's a lot of time to commit to. We get it. Uh, our interview with Lee Parker came out on Tuesday of this week. Hell of a lot of fun. Lee tells some awesome stories, including uh, one anecdote about how David Luiz still owes him a brand new suit, uh, which is a fun one. And we're doing our match previews on YouTube only. So we're not going to throw those out. As podcasts, we're going to do YouTube only for those. So go check those out and uh, yeah, plug over. All right, cool. Let's jump into it now. It was match review time. West Ham in the Premier League at the Olympic Stadium, of which they rent and do not own. So they are technically homeless. And we lost to said homeless team three to two. (sighs) All right. Well, thanks for listening, Chelsea fans. We will see you <laughs> next time. Shortest match right. review ever. Yeah, we're not gonna we're gonna swallow the pill on this one. So here are the goals brought to you by the Fifth Stand app, the official app of Chelsea FC. Honestly, so much content out there, especially right now, before the match, during the match, after the match, head there. Uh, really tremendous job the club are doing. So we need to pay them back for that. So here we go. Chelsea visit the London Stadium for a derby date with West Ham United. 
Azpilicueta, Kovacic and Barkley all start here. Those three giants. Grapple in from Bowen all the way across. It's loose. It could be a goal here. It is. Thomas Suchek. And the VAR check is ongoing. No goal. Well, a big, big let off for Chelsea there. Blake Kante. And Kovacic. Oh, and Pulisic goes down. Penalty. Perfect chance for Chelsea to go ahead just moments after West Ham thought that they had. Never scored against West Ham, William. He has now sent Fabianski the wrong way. He wouldn't have saved it, even if he'd guessed right. Same line up there, isn't it? From Bowen, Kepa came through a crowd and didn't get it, and this time it is in. And it's Suchek again. West Ham level in first half stoppage time. Lanzini. Nice into Antonio. Trying to get away from Rudiger. Goes down. Martin Atkinson wags his finger. And he's Bowen. Antonio 2 1 West Ham. Well worked goal. But look at the gap in the Chelsea defence again. Round the wall and yes. off the post and in. Brilliant. What a stunning free kick. Can't stop scoring at the moment. Chelsea's number 10. They win a header against Suchek. Now West Ham break on here. Only Rudiger back minding the shot for Chelsea. Here's Yarmolenko. He's got four nails free. Might not need him. He's put it in the bottom corner. And very probably won the game for West Ham United. All right, so five goals later, Dan. Run us through the lineup so we can figure out how this all went down. Sure. Well, we had Kepa between the sticks. We had a back four of Antonio Rudiger and Andreas Christensen flanked by Marcus Alonso and Cesar Aspilicueta. Had a midfield trio of N'Golo Conte, Ross Barkley, and Mateo Kovacic forwards, including Christian Pulisic, William, and Tammy Abraham. Substitutes bench included Willie Caballero, Kurt Zuma, Reese James, Billy Gilmore, Jorginho, and Callum Hudson-Odoi as unused substitutes. Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Mason Mount, and Olivier Giroud all made it on to the pitch at one point or another. Hmm. Interesting. Definitely not the lineup. Who was closest out of all of us? Does anyone know? I, 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 I was like maybe 50%. Yeah, I, we haven't been very good, I'll be honest. <laughs> Like we we've had a couple of like the the weird ones come through for us. Um, like I had Billy in the FA Cup, but yeah, that also didn't last very long either. So yeah, I, I had Zuma and Mount in mine, mm-hmm. but I think maybe Giroud too. So seven and eleven. Yeah, Frank keeping us on our toes to say the least. So some of the high level stats: Chelsea was seventy percent possession, seventeen shots, six on target to West Ham's eleven shots, four on target. That is not good enough when you have over double the procession. Um, They had 26 clearances to our 10. We had 19 tackles there, 16. Uh, Corners, 3-2, to pretty even. Both had a couple offsides, yellow cards, yada, yada. Fouls conceded 9 each. Kaylee Graphics, at Kaylee underscore graphics, with the XG again, the expected goals for West Ham Chelsea. Uh, unfortunately, he tweeted that this is the best match I've seen West Ham play in a long time, and well-timed, too. Kaylee, we were friends until you go and say things like this. Dan, we need a new XG person. We need a new hookup. Well, this is the one that I enjoy, so we're going to keep on using it. But it had a rough XG sum of 1.9 to West Ham and then 0.8 to Chelsea plus a penalty. Hmm. So hmm. not good enough up front, which I know we're going to talk a lot about the defense, but also up front was also not good enough either, which we should touch on too. But it's not yeah, my job no, to I do that. Brandon is the one who takes us into topics. It's true. And analysis begins now. So before we get into the negatives, which there are a full, a few, a full, a handful, a, full. a few. <laughs> there, it's full of negatives. Yes, correct. A handful. Uh, bri- uh, hey, we briefly <laughs> wanted to touch on two positives in this match. One, no surprise here, Christian Pulisic yet again bossing it. And the other one, his his partner on the other side, 
a Brazilian winger, young, up and coming, bright, full of energy, one for the years. Uh, obviously, Pulisic and William, standout players in my mind. I don't think I'm going to get much pushback from either of you, Nick. But from your perspective, I guess like if we were just to touch on how good they were today in general, what did you see specifically from Christian and William out on the flanks? Um, Christian is an, uh, Christian's just a problem now. I mean, he's he's a problem for every team that we go up against. He's been a problem against Liverpool this year. He's been a problem against City. And he was a problem against West Ham today. Um, he clearly had the most dynamic change of pace on the field. He clearly has an incredible directness and ability to run at players with the ball that scares the crap out of him. He's starting to get hacked like he's one of the Premier League's best wingers. And I, you know, for my money, Mikel Antonio was the best player on the pitch today, but Christian wasn't that far behind him. Um, and I, I really think he's been our best player since the break. Uh, and I, I think we'd be hard pressed to find someone better. Now he, he didn't have the goals, Dan. Um, but you can argue that he made both those opportunities uh, available for William. Yeah. Cause he got hacked down and the hacking down led to the penalty and then the free kick location that William ultimately converted the second goal from. So without a scary thing, not scoring from open play, that is not a good thing uh, or a trend I want to see continuing beyond this match. What I would say is that what Christian is continuing to do is so exciting. It is something that is, you know, frankly, um, he's acclimatizing faster than I thought he would uh, to Premier League football. And that's with a massive injury break in the middle of the season that really paused where he was at. I think it's making me more excited for where he gets to next year as he continues to bulk up, as he continues to learn and have has has had film history has played against some of these players and understands oh okay I know this is the way Declan's going to try to guard me this is the way I need to kind of work around him or work through this type of player uh, this is I know what to come to expect uh, I know that I'm going to get hacked down so I know where to you know where I need to stand up and where I also need to like just run quick because they're going to try to trip me and it's going to get me somewhere and uh, unlike the Mikel Antonio dive on his ass to then get up and then score a goal. Um, it worked. Which was interesting. It did. Hey, look, it worked because the defender left him completely uh, just alone after that. Negatives Christian, later, Dan. Christian was great. He has been fantastic. We need more players moving directly at the defense like he was doing. End story, Brendan. Yeah, at Chelsea Youth, you know, tweeted that said, two set-piece goals made by two moments of Pulisic running at someone. Get on the ball and take people on. Look, he had no respect for these defenders against West Ham. He was megging defenders from four feet away and running past them. He, he, he literally ran down the middle of the field weaving to get the second foul, which led to Williams' goal. So, again, just he is direct. He doesn't waste touches. He knows what has to happen. Has some great runs. Again, dude continues to deliver. Who scored? Had him at a 6.8, though. Not really sure what they're on. Okay? Hmm. William, 8.1, which is Chelsea's best player. And Suchek for West Ham, an 8.7 man of the match rating. Highly questionable on how they weight hmm. their scales. <laughs> I, I will say, with Christian... Had two opportunities actually to to score. One yeah. required a, a pretty kind of um, impressive effort from uh, the defense to kind of marshal out, and then one was a little bit more off target. But he will he's going to come good more than some of the other players on this team if we just have other players working with him. Yeah. So William, you know, I said this a couple weeks ago when he took the penalty. Step, you know, against City know, a couple weeks ago. That's what it feels like. It feels like a couple weeks ago. Six days ago. But yeah, yes. four days ago. Yeah, it's like a six last week. Um, and he steps up and does it again today. The free kick, the penalty. You would think his career is on the line here. The way he is playing with energy, 
and passion and determination, I just, you kind of wear, you're like, I wish you, I wish we had this more consistently, which again is the gripe we always get from him. But Naz tweeting about this in the last six matches for William, he has five goals in six games. It's his 10th goal of the season. He's now officially the second top goal scorer on the team. He's about to be a free transfer for someone because he wants three years. Chelsea want to give him two. I agree that we shouldn't give him three, especially if Callum Hudson-Odoi, Ziyech, Pulisic. There's a lot of other players, right, that, you know, at some point you have to cut out your your best players who are coming to the end of their career. We did it with Petr Cech. We've done it with Drogba. We've done it with Lampard. We've done it with John Terry. William is no exception. Do I think he needs three years? No. But, oh, man, it makes, it makes me feel like he really wants to stay at Chelsea. I feel like if he had to go to Tottenham or Arsenal... Like, he would genuinely be upset or feel sad at there's a missed opportunity. So, again, Dan wants to caveat this. Two of those are penalties, which is fair. So, three goals from open play. Well, the free kick today, which is delicious. So, I am just really impressed and happy and, you know, kudos to William for being big. Nick, what the hell are you smirking about the whole time? <laughs> well, I was just thinking, I was like, is he... Is he is he turning it on so he doesn't have to go to Spurs? Like, is that the motivation? Like, dude, I you know, um, <laughs> you know, like, he ain't wrong. I, he's seen David. At, he's seen David at Arsenal. Was like, oh shit, maybe it's not that great. Yeah, I I'm not laughing at him. He he was very good today and showed again for the fourth game in a row in as many you know in, in two weeks, not even two weeks, uh, has shown stamina that is really really impressive. His free kick today was the best we've seen this season by so far. Oh, good. Um, and yeah, I, I was only I was only kind of laughing at that stupid joke I had in my head. Um, I uh, Dan, so I, I think one of the scenarios that I have in my head for William is if you know if this was him the entire time, you know, we'd be having a much different discussion, right? Um, the, the problem is when he goes through ebbs and flows, it, it gets weird uh, for, for time, you know, during the season. And I'm very happy that he's finishing the season strong. It's obviously helping Chelsea tremendously. Um, part of me in my head says, you know, if you want a happy ending, it depends on when you stop the story. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I wonder how you feel about whether he should stay or, or not. Here's the thing. If he did not sign the extension, he would not have played in this match today. We would have yeah. not had William as an option because his contract would have been out on the 30th and he could have gone to join whomever his next team is going to be. And we've been led to believe that it is another club in London and that it will be you know, either in red or white that he plays primarily next season. With that said, I, I would not break the strategy around a two-year deal. I think when you think about the fact that Ziyech is going to come in, Werner is going to come in, Pulisic is growing in, in form and stature, we still have Callum to eventually get healthy at some point. You know, We're looking at potentially a Havertz coming in as well. Yes, there is the benefit of Premier League experience, and I don't want to downplay that William is clearly finding a way to excel, but the inconsistency is not something we can continue to have in the lineup. We are we are talking about William right now, who is playing phenomenally. And, you mm -hmm. know, if we were... Hey, it, it's the whole adage, Brandon, of like when you're playing for a contract, right? It's the fourth year for a player in the NFL. They're ready to go to the next contract. They're about to get mega money. And so their production usually goes up at that time frame and then regresses a little bit back to the mean. And so... I mean, eight goals a season from a winger does not get us into consistently playing in the Champions League every year. It doesn't. We need more that are 10 plus all the time. And that's where Christian is on pace to be. That is where you know, Tammy is currently in the season. And that's where we would expect Werner and others to come in to be at. Yeah. You know, it's it's that's the the business side. Of the club, Brandon has <laughs> Brandon has the contrarian look in his eye. And, I not, can tell. and you have to pull out the emotion of being a fan. Because look, we 
we moan and gripe at Marina and Roman and this and that, you know, and here we are caught up in the recency bias of Williams' performances. But they have to look at it as a whole. And again, to my point earlier, it's kind of like, man, really wish we had William on fire all season. You know, we could have changed things. So we'll see what happens. Look, I'm also really skeptical that, that anyone else is going to give him a three-year deal. So I'm hoping if no one gives him a three-year deal, he'll take the two-year with us. And then it'll be, you know, fine. Like, as long as he's cool with being a squad player, I mean, we're, there's no way Frank's guaranteeing him minutes or anything. That was my That was my argument from our last pod is like, you know, we we as fans can prognosticate about like where he would rather play, right? But I think for a guy at his stage, the stage of his career that he's at, playing is all that matters. And if he's not going to play consistently, like we can all want him to be a backup. It doesn't mean that he wants to be that's a backup, fair. you know. And yeah. and that's the you know I'm, we've interviewed him. Like he's an incredibly nice guy. No one's ever questioned his like character or willingness to be a part of the team or anything like that. It's just, it's simply a production question and it will be, you know, of course it'll be the most ironic thing in the world. uh, You know, if he, if he has eight more goals through the, (laughs) through the final matches of the year and shuts us all up for, for the production question. But yeah, I mean, I think that's just where I'm at personally. Would happily be proven wrong. Happily be proven wrong if he were to do that. Yep. Always. All right. Well, hard pivot here. So sunshine and rainbows are over. And we're going to talk more about the dark side of the match today because um, that was a lot of it. Even there were some really, I, honestly, I think coming out of post-substitution second half to about the 75th, 78th minute, we were looking good. First half, we're not looking good, right? We got bailed out by a penalty and then went on long stretches of more dross. It was not great. And a big part of that, I think a lot of people are going to look at are the center backs today. So... Again, I don't know what the hell Aspilicueta was doing when it came to defending a set piece today. He just seemed distracted. Um, Rudiger giving up the corner kick. I said this on the stream. Why? You were seven feet from the sideline, and you can't my point. put it into a throw, a throw for a throw. Just mind boggling. And then obviously Christensen losing his, you know, losing Mikel Antonio in the in the second half you know on the the flop and pop up and be ready thing that dan talked about naz tweeting you know quote from lampard talking about his defenders he says no we were not let down by the defenders we made mistakes in the build-up to the goals not just defenders that cost us the game which i can i can see that there was times when uh we were on a counterattack and alonzo chose the worst of all the options uh, and then we are completely exposed on the counterattack. Um, Grant James, Grant DeSmith on Twitter saying that was a shambles. Christensen has the potential to be the best center back in the world. All he needs is to never come up against a center forward ever again. I think I'm playing oh the center back with clean sheets in his last three against Liverpool, Everton, Leicester against Deeney. So unfortunately, the problem here, gentlemen, being that I was praising Christensen in the first half. Most of the game, I thought he did well, comes back to lapses. But here's kind of my bigger problem, is that Christensen and Rudiger are never on the same page, for whatever reason. And Christensen speaks really good English. Rudiger speaks pretty good English. Kepa's isn't great. How are those three communicating throughout a match? We don't have octolingual Petr Cech back there speaking German to Rudiger, Danish to Christensen, you know, it's, there's a disconnect between them as center pairing. I can't wait to hear Shane in discord on this because he played center back. They don't move as a pair. And we saw that when Christensen stepped and Rudiger dropped and created this huge like area of space for them to run in. And, that's kind of a big problem to me. And Keppa can't communicate with them to to organize it. So when Chelsea put out the unseen highlights and you can actually hear the guys yelling, Keppa, he'll yell his his kind of like basic commands in English. But then he's talking to Aspie a lot in Spanish. I heard that. And Alonso. So he's good on the wings, but they're not nearly as important as his relationship with his center backs. So, you know... Dan, Danish Prince, I know you love uh, Christensen and, and what he's done. And he, he looked really good until he didn't today. But 
But again, center backs in general, it's been a massive um, weakness for Chelsea. It, it was bad. This is some of the worst that we've seen this season. And it came up against a, a side that really is not good. This West Ham team had not scored for months. I think it was February was the last time that they had scored. So it was pre-restart. Uh, they couldn't buy a goal uh, except against Chelsea in our, our defense. Uh, I think as much like the, the, the there are plenty of individual mistakes it just is clearly endemic now of a scenario where I really believe that Zuma is our best B option center back in this team to pair with a future center back partner of some capacity who is better than what we have currently. Um, Zuma is better aerially than any of our other center backs. I'm not that much caring about his passes because no one is getting the separation against teams like this to allow our center backs to actually pass super deep. So every time Christensen or Rudiger were trying some of the long balls today, interceptions were extremely, extremely high. I, I think though the, the most individually frustrating, uh, cause I just have to say it, the Rudiger mistake was basically like giving away a penalty in the box with how Again, bad the third goal. No, the uh, the first one. Yeah, yeah. Giving away a corner, giving away any set piece, and like this, you saw how upset Tammy was when he kind of like when when we ultimately like gave up a, a set piece. Um, our the team is aware. The team knows that this is the Achilles' heel. It is very evident to the players. It's evident to the the coaching staff. And Nick, I think the the frustrating thing is. It, it was as bad as giving up a penalty without getting a red card. Yeah, I, I mean, West Ham in their last four matches, I believe the statistic was zero goals and seven shots on target. Maybe I'm a little off there. They had four shots on target and three goals today against us. Like, think, think about that. This team is terrible. Like, they're really bad. If you watch them play Wolves, like, Wolves completely dominated them, snuffed them out. It wasn't even a contest. Like, it, it looked like a championship team that was bound for the championship again. Like, Chelsea were so open, so careless with the ball. Uh, you know, I think to Brandon's point, you know how a center back pairing, like, when I feel confident in a center back pairing, is when they're yelling at each other for a mistake by one of or the other of them. They weren't talking. They weren't talking at all. It, it was, it was mind blowing. And then when they would pass the ball to each other, there was such uneasiness about receiving it and pivoting the ball. It was just like, what? You guys have played together all year. Like, what's going on? Like, how is it possible against this against one guy who's disconnected from the rest of the team? There was. 30, 40 yards between Antonio and the rest of the fucking team. How is it possible that you guys are being bullied by this one guy? And of course, he had a great game. We always seem to struggle with him. He's full of pace and power, and he's, you know, occasionally will score a goal, he's right? But best, like, he's the best isolated forward in the league by a mile. He relishes off not having the ball, and I've never seen anyone like that. It's uncanny. But, but Rudiger. It's supposed to be a leader, mm -hmm. right? It's a it's a trademark of, like, he's clearly a leader. Like, we've seen him lead before. This is not like an aberration. I'm not calling him out for being some sort of faux leader. But, man, being a leader is hard. <laughs> and it did not look like he was putting in that extra leadership work today. And, and man, I, I, the, the, it was just, it was, the whole thing was, off from the beginning, Dan. I don't know how to how else to explain it. I just felt terrible about it. I think we need to because there's a I think a, a question asked in our, our our Discord chat about like you know who who are the leaders on this team. I think we need to get away from this idea that gesticulation and frustration being externalized is a sign of leadership. But there there were some tough moments in this match, and what wasn't happening was someone wasn't taking charge of the situation. I'd say just by action and behavior, the only two people I would consider leaders on the pitch today were Christian 
and we're William. Those are the only two players I would consider leaders through action in what they did today. Uh, I Even our Captain Dave, who has done brilliant work throughout the past couple games here, was was fatigued. I think mentally fatigued. I think this team is is mentally fatigued. Brandon is what my is how I feel about it. Watching the way that we responded to kind of getting gut punched a couple times today. So Nick, you said it multiple times. This team looks like a step behind. Here's the here's a fact. West Ham last played a week ago Tuesday. They had eight days between matches. Chelsea played Sunday had three days between matches that is a fact okay we didn't really talk about it because we were so wrapped up in the all right next game all right next game we didn't and even in our preview we kind of talked about the day been off that was massive so here's the other point tough shit you want to be a top team in europe compete across multiple competitions this is why Frank is going and signing more players because this team clearly does not have the depth to challenge on multiple fronts. And we've seen that. I mean, I think he I think Frank has to you know take part of the blame today too though, right? Like and I and I say that just from a selection standpoint. Christian coming off of, you know, a, a minor injury just played a full 90 minutes of full throttle. Right. Yeah. And Golo Conte, after being hurt all year, has played four matches in a row, full throttle. William, same. Mason Mount, been Iron Man all year, got one half of football off essentially in the last two matches. Like, I, you know, you, you, some of it is, of course, there is underperformance in a squad, which leads to Frank having to trust a more limited pool of players. But like, I, th- I think when you look at the, you know, we, we don't see training, which is obviously our caveat every time we talk about the selection nightmare that he's probably going through. It, it just makes you wonder for some of these matches, if we can stagger some of these guys a little bit more, it, you know, of course I don't know the answer to that and I'm not going to pretend to be the manager or whatever, but it, it just strikes me as odd that if, if we know that we're mentally fatigued, and I was one calling for Dave to start again because I thought Reese was poor against Leicester. Yeah. Then you know I I guess I'm I'm wrong, right? And I, I don't know how else to look on that. I, we've struggled with the lineup predictions because of the quick turnaround on these, and a big part of it is we praised Frank for making the right changes on Sunday. Yeah. But it was wrong from the beginning. Do you praise Frank again today? It was wrong from the beginning, but he made his changes were positive. I mean, comparatively speaking. Fatigue is definitely an issue. He has to manage it. And I it's hard to fault him because some of the mistakes that were made today were probably from mental fatigue. Normally those guys wouldn't make such dumb mistakes, but they did. And West Ham, to be fair, they were predictably West Ham. They didn't surprise me at all. Maybe a little bit that they pressed in the beginning. Other than that, that was exactly what I expected from West Ham. And we got what we wanted. Um, As we talk about kind of the defending, though, and set pieces again, because at from underscore the underscore wing, Scott Stewart was saying, Chelsea conceded their ninth corner. They concede off their ninth corner of the Premier League season. From 109 corners faced, they're conceding at a rate of 8.25%. Just under 10% of the corners we give up, we get scored on, which is pretty horrible. Naz has a quote from Frank, specifically on set-piece defending. Quote, I think when a team is bigger than you, you can work on it as much as you want, but if you are much taller and they outjump you, then you will concede goals. We were aware of it today, but the players have to deal with it on the pitch, end quote. Um, so I have a bit of a an answer to why Chelsea or a part of the reason why Chelsea are so bad at defending long throws, set pieces, crosses in general. And I want to hear what you guys think about this. So my theory after watching it today, it kind of clicked because everyone loves sending the clip of Keppa running into the back of N'Golo Kante and the West Ham player and then flapping at the ball as it went by him a little bit. So here's the issue with that. 
when we bought Keppa, I very openly said, here's what he's good at. Here's what he's not good at. He is not good at corners. He will never be good at corners. That is not a strength of his. Frank has come in and Frank has said, hey, I want to defend set pieces a certain way. This is my style. I think it plays the strength of our backline. Or maybe he just said, hey, honestly, this is just the style I want to play in general. So a manager, when they come in, they have a couple options. They can adapt their tactics to the players or they can coach the players to adapt to their tactics and their style. Unfortunately, in this situation, my analysis is that Frank has said, tough shit, Keppa. I want to defend zonal. I want to do it this way. You need to get better and deal with crosses better. Because that's why Keppa came out. Because he's under the pressure of, shit, I got to do better at corners. I need to go get it. But he's terrible at it. Because he's never been, he's never needed to do it. He has a different skill set. Frank is now telling Keppa, hey, I'm not changing the team for you. You need to change for the team. And it's not working. It hasn't worked all season. It didn't work under Maurizio Sarri. And now we're in a situation where Frank doesn't want Keppa because Keppa doesn't fit into the way Frank wants to play. And he's decided to not sacrifice the team from a defensive standpoint to adapt to Keppa. So we're at this this situation where they're pulling against each other. Defenders are expecting a goalkeeper to come. The goalkeeper's not coming. Then they're scrambling to clear it, and it's a disaster. And we miss marks, and we do these things. Because if we had, for lack of a better example, Sheffield United's goalkeeper, blanking on his name. Dean Henderson. Uh, Dean Henderson. Yeah, Dean Henderson. Yep. Massive bloke. He's going to come eat that up all the time. The fact that West Ham could drop a ball in and around the six-yard box and our goalkeeper wasn't coming to get it, is a massive problem. But Frank's, he's been so stubborn with this. He hasn't changed, and he's kind of leaving Kepa out to dry. That's my analysis of the situation, because why else would Frank not change things to improve it? He thinks this is his style, this is how I want to defend. You, goalkeeper, need to sort it out. Yeah, I mean, it. I, I also think the... Part, part of the solution that Frank has posed with the current hybrid system, it's not like a full true yeah. zonal system, right? Like, cause you saw Aspie trying to um, buy land underneath the house um, that is <laughs> whoever the West Ham mid. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, trying to shovel down so that he could uh, purchase that plot of land. So um, weird. It was, yeah, it was honestly got the weirdest thing I've seen on a corner in some time. It wasn't on um, it. It was weird. But yeah, it was it was definitely bad from him. I also think it's just like we have a short team and we've had a short team for a long time. Um when you have Courtois and Goal mass some of that because he even though he wasn't great at coming out either, you know, to get some of these crosses, he's still just a bigger guy. Like Keppa ran into who which West Ham player did he run into? I'm my memory. I don't know, but it was Angola Conte was marking him. So he ran yeah, so, into the pair of them. Yeah, not not someone huge then, because you're not going to put five foot five in Golo on the six foot four center back. And uh, Kepa got knocked back, man. Yeah, now, that was the issue. Is that we have our smalls standing on our smalls, and you have Tammy at the back post, who's not usually on a guy, which is just weird. So, because you would imagine that Tammy, who is is taller, should be able to you know do a little kind of arm wrestling with someone and try to throw him off a little bit. You know, Alonzo is a massive guy. There's, we, we have tall players and it just, the communication and the coordination, you know, I think people wax poetic about JT a lot today on Twitter. And it was the, can we get JP, uh, JT back on, on a free to just coach our set pieces to marshal our back line. Can we get Petrocek in there to, you know, both goalkeep and figure out how to fix our set pieces. I mean, it's not going to be solved overnight. It's a multi-pronged problem, which I think the, the issue is everyone wants to point to. This is the one issue. Keppa's the problem. Rudiger's the problem. Christians is the problem. Aspie's the problem. Alonzo's the problem. And like when everybody is collectively a five on the day or a four on the day, your average score does not get to you, you you to a seven, which is going to be good enough to beat most Premier League teams on the day. So if we're collectively terrible, funny enough, it's not one problem, it's all problems. And 
that means that really it is now up to Frank to solve the problem. He is the one who now is ultimately, you know, where the fault lies of the largest piece of this because he has to come with the the solution. Yeah. I mean, you, I think your point on Tammy is right as well. Like when Jeru's in there, Jeru's not on the back post. Jeru's bodying someone up and Diego did the same thing. And, you know, I mean, I think it's just, you know, you have two solutions with your big striker, right? You put him at the front to, you know, kind of effectively cut off the the near post, right? Mm-hmm. Or you body him up on someone bigger and just hope that they don't do it. You know, we've talked about this before with both Rudiger and Christensen. They can both jump. We've seen them jump. We know they can jump. Somehow Tamori and Zuma jump higher and head the ball more consistently than than those two do. I don't know why that is. I, I, you know, they're all of them are are stud athletes. I mean, Christensen beat Antonio in a race today. Like he's not slow. I was super <laughs> impressed so, by that. I know. Like this is what I'm saying Gotta is like do. they have all the tools in their tool belt. I just don't know why it's not working. Um, Ted Knutson, which is at Mixed Nuts, he does the stats bomb stuff. Very well informed and educated on these things. Uh, he replied to the Stuart Reed tweet about the 8.25% con- conceding rate. He said, Chelsea men's team, thanks for the clarification, Ted, concede corner <laughs> goals at a rate better than almost any team in the world scores them. So we're giving them up way more than people, even the best teams in the world are scoring them. And then he responded to it and says, looking back at last season, Darby had the worst expected goals in the league on corners against and seventh worst in goals conceded on corners. So yeah, the problem is almost certainly systemic. Look, this could be a little bit of Frank's Achilles heel. Um, Unfortunately, our best defensive performances, uh, Grant James, who had been tweeting about it earlier, uh, is when we have three center backs. At the end of the day, our best defensive performances have come when we have Tamori, Zuma, uh, and Christensen uh, back there. And we haven't really seen that as much because we can't right now. So you lose a lot going forward with three at the back. I would also add to, and I believe Liam Toomey is the one who tweeted this out, um, Ziyech and Werner aren't tall. Mm-mm. They're they're not helping you there. Kai Alberts right? is. So, sure. <laughs> but he's only coming here if we get Champions League football, <laughs> which is more in doubt now than it ever was. So, I mean, like, look. We're still in a good I position, am, but I hear you. I mean, are we? We're in the driver's seat. We we have consistently struggled this season against this type of team, and we have four more of those to play. Are we? Yeah, I mean, I think. Th- well, let's, let's not jump ahead. That's in the script. We'll get I there. Think, yeah, okay. All right. Anyways, uh, so just real quick, I think we should touch on Tammy. Yeah, not another great performance from him overall some flashes dan but overwhelmingly largely not what you want to see from him right now Giroud's our number one he just looks it he does it it's it's a real bummer you know i think we were all super excited about the way tammy started this season and well you know bought you know bought back frank's trust by rewarding Frank with multiple goals and helping, you know, put us into the top four very early in the season and helping maintain us there for quite some time. And, you know, we've had Mason pop up with some goals, Christian pop up with some goals, William pop up with some goals, a couple defenders, Ruger, Alonzo have all popped up with goals to kind of help keep us all, you know, along the track. But Tammy has not found the back of the goal for quite some time. He's been offsides when he's been in his, some of his best positions and mm-hmm. You know, even though he's been able to hold up better, I, I think that's one of the things we can say that it looks like he's doing hold up play a little bit better than he has previously. He's just not finding the right timing with the other players on the pitch at the moment. He's either a, a foot behind or a step ahead, Nick. And it, it's super concerning that, you know, it, whether it's the, the, the Werner effect coming in and, and knowing that that puts a little bit of a competition there that didn't exist before. Maybe it's the fact that Giroud has been getting some more minutes. I'm not sure what it is, but it, it's just, it's, it's a bummer. Like it, it's sad. It makes me sad for him because of where he was earlier in the season. Yeah. I mean, look, he had injuries 
I think he was probably stretched to his physical limits early in the season and should be commended for playing through what I had to assume was, was some pain with the hip um, and all the other knocks that he took. I mean, this is, this is big boy football, man. And he's adjusted, you know, quite nicely to it, but it's not going to come without setbacks. You know, I mean, we, we said before the season, Eden Hazard leaving unsure of where the goals are going to come from. You know, it was my, it was, my primary reason that I had us finishing sixth originally, right, is just un- not understanding where where the goals were going to come from. You know, he probably outperformed his expectations early on. I think we can all safely say that. Yeah. But I think the thing that worries me about him is not necessarily the stats as much, although it, those are worrying on their own in a vacuum. It's the lack of swagger and confidence that I see from him like I think that's like where Giroux you know right before the end of the season looked like a man possessed like he was gonna do everything he could to win every header to you know chest every ball down to the right guy to you know and like Tammy had you know I rewatched some of his goals this season he had such the you know a, a knowing that he was going to score such confidence and Obviously, that comes, Brandon, with with scoring and like, you know, those things go hand in hand. But man, you know, I I was I was just watching some of his earlier performances and I I, I'm hard pressed to understand why it went away because Frank has trusted him now again. Right. Two games in a row two you know, two massive games for Chelsea. He should have the the confidence of the gaffer. Right. He, He should be the guy. And it just doesn't seem like he's he's feeling it. Yeah, I don't want to, you know, kind of pile on him right now too much. So I'll just kind of leave it at that because we, we all know he knows. It's just, what's the solution? What's the answer? And that's what we got to dig out here. So Dan of the Match Poll, sir. Interesting that uh, you get four options, but I see you forgot to use two of them. <laughs> well, that, that was... That was not a mistake, Brandon. Hmm. We had two options in the poll. Uh, Mikel Antonio did not make it into there, uh, even though that probably was the man in the match, I imagine. Um, it was Suchek. With the two. It was Suchek. Was, was it Suchek? According to who scored. No, Mikel Antonio was the no Budweiser way. king in the match. Rightly so. I was about okay. to say, yeah. Yeah, all right. Um, well, our Bud Light uh, seltzer man of the match uh it was uh, christian pulisic with 68.8 percent of the votes uh william with 31.2 percent i'm open to that sponsorship you can make it happen let us know uh i'm here to party <laughs> unlike our team today son of a gun not gonna get not gonna do it not gonna say it table probability as it stands liverpool are disgusting up front and they've won it Manchester City on 63 points, Leicester in third on 55, Chelsea in fourth on 54, United in fifth on 52. So as long as we handle business, obviously, heavy caveat. Wolves in sixth, also on 52 points. So now, Leicester to Wolves is now a three-point difference from third to sixth. Uh, Arsenal, roaring comeback with a massive win today. Thank you for nothing, Norwich. Uh, but they're in 46 points in seven, so there's a huge gap. Tottenham, probably not going to get Europe at this point, uh, in eighth on 45 points. You love to see it. Um, Norwich, goners. Bournemouth, probably. Villa, probably. Huge, huge result for West Ham. They went from, I think, 17th to 16th, but the point difference is what makes it massive. Dan, Run me through your stats, your number crunching, your statistics, your 0538 super secret simulator. Well, the 538 simulator seems to be a little broken because it is, uh, it's saying right now that we still have an 82% chance or probability rather of uh, finishing in a Champions League spot in the, uh, it, but it has Chelsea, Leicester and United all finishing with 65 points, the way the season stands, uh, 86% probability for Leicester, 83% or 85% probability for Man United, and then Wolves finishing at 62 points with a uh, 40% probability of qualifying for the Champions League. So uh, it has gotten 
uncomfortably tight in the uh, in the collar at the moment. It's bad. I mean, this result's terrible. For as great as the city result was last week, this is worse than that was good. I mean, you can't lose the 17th place West Ham at this stage of the season. You just, you can't. So I saw this in Discord. Going into these matches, would you have taken four points between City and West Ham going into it? Yes. Sure. You got four points out of City and West Ham. No, you didn't. You got three points. Yeah, three. Well, I'm sorry. That was the point, though. If you could, you know, that, that was the thing. Is like that's kind of what we expected to get out of it. It just happened to be in reverse order, and so now the motion, the momentum gets tied up into, it and it changes it. Leicester is trying to give us third place, and we won't take it. Like it, it's that. That's why this is such a bummer result for a thousand different reasons. Is because Leicester lost to Everton today providing us the avenue to drive up and take third place and use them as the buffer that Manchester United has to go chase. We've been in that position all year and have been batting people away. We should let Leicester take over that position and continue to fall. Like Chelsea losing to West Ham again, this is maybe our second worst results of the season. Bournemouth at home uh, with a back heel overhead kick, whatever that was uh, in the 85th minute was awful. And that will still probably remain my first, but I mean, this results unconscionable, man. Like it had to be, it had to be something different and it wasn't. Well, look, uh, as much as we were feeling good a few days ago, we knew it was going to be fight to the end. So um, we'll kind of see how it ends up. But look, we got Watford next on the 4th of July, Christian Pulisic, Hat trick hero, smashing Budweiser's. We already know. Then you've got Crystal Palace away on Tuesday the 7th. Sheffield United away Saturday the 11th. Norwich at home July 15th on a Wednesday. And then Liverpool. That'll get bumped because you'll do another FA Cup weekend. You've got Liverpool away, Wolves at home. We Again, we've kind of said we pretty much got to have it tied up before Liverpool. They might be hungover. They might want to spoil the party because we've done that to them. So really, really, really important run of games uh, as we go to it. Well, and, and and what you were talking about before we jumped on is apparently the cast ruling on Manchester City is supposed to happen on the 15th or there or thereabouts. I believe so. Yeah, so... Um, Kaz is going to rule within the first half of July with the date currently rumored in the 13th uh, being the 13th. So by the 13th or 15th, we should know if City will actually be banned out of the Champions League for a season because that will materially impact what's going to happen here because there may be two spots on the line, yeah. third and fourth. There may be three spots on the line. It might be third, fourth, and fifth all qualify for the Champions League. Um, but we don't know right now. And so we have to we have to play at this like fourth place is the last shot of getting into the Champions League. All right. Well, you know what? That's going to wrap us up, Chelsea fans. It's been a jam-packed that's hour. A, such a, that's a somber note to leave people on. Hey. It's so sad. It's the reality, though. You know, you can't avoid it. It is a situation we're in. Um, we're not going to hide and pretend that things are different than they are. So uh, all we need is for the players to roll up their socks, put in some tackles, score some flipping goals, and let's take care of business. It's freaking Crystal Palace. Get out of here. Can't trip up against them. You got Watford. Come on. Do the business. That's what I'm saying, though. I hear you. But it's just this is what Frank's out to tell the players. Inexcusable. Go do your job. Take care of business and get to European places, Champions League specifically. I mean, these these are the teams that we have struggled with all year. These block nine defenses, maybe a lone striker up top, maybe not, just depending on how they want to play. They want to narrow us in. They want to make us play terrible crosses into the box. And Chelsea are going to have to figure out a way, whether it's by hook or by crook, to break some of these teams down. Um, it's it's Frank's probably biggest problem that he has to solve right now because the only way to make up for a lackluster set-piece defense is by scoring more goals than we give up on set-pieces. So, you know, best of luck to everybody. All right, uh, listeners, thank you so much. As always, we appreciate you. 
We enjoy hanging out with you. Uh, so keep the conversation going. Get in touch with us, social media, email. Um, but it is a short turnaround. Fourth of July, special for you in America, as we are. Uh, it'll be a national holiday. Um, hopefully we can be enjoying three points to start our day. Um, so until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.